a Highline podcast. No normal people. Hello, my friends, and welcome to No Normal People. I'm your host, Stephen Henning. And welcome to No Normal People. I'm your host, Dixie Lee Henning. And this is a podcast where we prove that the more you get to know the normal people in your life, you discover that there really are no normal people no in your life. No normal people. Thank you. In your life. I feel like I have a hype man. No. I like it. Excuse me? It's nice. You just keep repeating my stuff. Repeating my stuff. See? See? <laughs> This could go south real fast. Yeah. Yeah. Now I just hear the cast of The Office just being like, Michael, stop. Michael, stop. Yeah. (laughs) Classic. What? I was joking. Wow. What a week, Dixie. I, in the last week, have been to Denver. Gross. And Helena. Ick. In Montana. Denver is in Colorado, Denver if you in didn't know. Montana. Yeah. Montana's Denver, <laughs> which is Billings. Oh, it was <laughs> such a delight. I got to go see my friends the Falcon Groves yeah. of past no normal people fame. Heckin' yeah. Um, Alex and I went to a metal show. Gross. You've been to a metal show. Yeah, we know. I've dragged you to metal We've shows. We've talked about it. What has what was your experience of the metal show the first time, do you think? Let's talk about Silent Planet in Salt Lake City. Okay. <laughs> How'd that feel? I was like, pick a show, Steven. Let's talk about Silent Planet because uh, that's my favorite band. Slimpit Plimpit Great. was a band. Uh-huh. I remember a Dark Room. Yeah. There was a guy with really long hair um, and he was screaming a lot. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. What I... about the vibe of the show? Were you into like the atmosphere of the place? As a whole, no. But. That's not to say that metal shows aren't entertaining. Sure. It is just not the vibe that I maintain yeah, on a you regular did, basis. You, you were introduced to the band you do like. Yeah. Dying Wish. Dying Wish, and they're dope. Yeah. But that might just be because it's a female vocalist. You like seeing a female screamer. Yeah. So do we, for the record. Women, it's take great. over the metal. Yes. Do it. More women should women be in unite. the scene. Women unite. Yeah. But so I went to Denver this week and I got to see my absolute favorite. Other I, absolute favorite. Other absolute. Apparently. Yeah, I guess. Steven I'm just apparently like, has seven. It's my absolute favorite, favorite Australian band. Yeah. So turns out Australia took COVID very seriously. Heckin' yeah, they and did. And this band Polaris didn't get to leave the country in the last three years. So no, they no, no, finally no. went on a North American tour and I made the time to go see it. And I went with Alex and it was just a delightful time. Sure. I think I made a core joy memory in the sure. mosh pit. Just a lot of, it's a lot of guys being dudes. Just, just a feeling, lot of dudes being guys. Just feeling their feelings. Just guys being dudes. Um, there's Two bros five feet apart in a mosh pit. There's but a, they're not five feet apart. There's like an unspoken code to the mosh pit, which is wonderful. The mosh code. You've seen it. Yep. People like. It's impressive. Somebody falls down. It is more. Instantly priority one is pick them back up. I have witnessed more grace and forgiveness mm. in a mosh pit 
than I have at a Christian church. It's pretty great. <laughs> I think churches can learn a lot. Think, if you think from metal that, shows, that churches truly. are safe and wonderful, you should go to a mosh pit. Come to a metal show with me. You would be amazingly surprised. Can I say? Lots of consensual touching. Yeah, but you made the decision to go into the thing. So yeah. like that you it's a thing. Right. But my favorite thing code. about mosh pits is like if you fall down, yeah. literally every single person around you is like, yo, back back the heckin' up. It's to pick everyone and, else up. And when we went to see August Burns Red in Denver, in yes. Denver. Also in Denver. Um the pit was so freaking humongous. Again, I wasn't participating in because you had a broken anything, ankle or a twisted ankle or something. My ankle was very sprained. Yeah. But gradually throughout the show, people would just like find missing like wallets or glasses phones. or shoes or phones and like they would hold them up above the crowd yeah. and like shine a light on them so that the people who lost them could find them. Yeah. Amazing. And like the standards of a mosh pit are so cool. Just, I, so cool. I can't. I can't. I Honestly, think when we're teaching our children oh. morals and oh. stuff like that, we're oh. just going to take them to mosh pit. Sure. And be like, see, you don't punch people. And when you Honestly, fall down. what's lovely about it is that I spent five hours with a room full of people I did not know. Mm-hmm. I was a visitor in their city, yeah. right? I'm from Montana. They're in Denver. And didn't learn a single person's name, but we all left feeling like we were kind of part of something. Yeah. You know? And I honestly do think it speaks to this idea that we're going for with this podcast of like, it's just a bunch of normal people getting into what they're into. And I can speak from experience. I've been to a lot of concerts and shows. Yeah, you don't get the there same vibe. There is nothing like a metal show. Nothing like There a, is nothing It's not like, like a like Kelly it. Clarkson It's not concert. Kelly Clarkson <laughs> where she shows up drunk and yeah. you have, you just had knee surgery. It's not, it's not like that. That seems specific <laughs> that's because that was my first concert that was your first concert ever talk about it yeah um but i've been to a lot of concerts and it's a beautiful it's, thing it's so different yeah it's so different it really is it feels like the participation at mm. other concerts yeah is so minimal i think someone could probably do some actual like sociological research on the metal scene yeah and and live freaking metal pop music stars currently yeah. need to learn a thing or two yeah. Like what there's, was that heartbreaking? There's no, um, it was who was it? The singer. You know that music festival uh, where yeah. a, a few people got trampled and died. Yeah, one guy died. Never happens at a metal exactly. show because we have a code for it. We Literally, know. like if a singer, if somebody like in a metal band sees someone get hurt, yeah, they will stop immediately. Yeah. like they will call that crap out, it's like amazing. from the stage. Yep, like no, no qualms about it. Yep, like. And the security and stuff at uh-huh. shows like this, it's insane. It's so insane. It's like, pretty awesome. Every I find other it... every other band that ever performs live needs to take notes from metal shows because they are top I'm, tier. I'm glad you're as passionate about this idea as I am. I think I really do think it's a beautiful environment and it's an atmosphere unlike I've felt before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to use that as a segue to introduce our guest, because I think it's about time we well, I guess get to our guest. Fine, our guest today, Corey DiBiase, is passionate about two things. The dude. Many things, but two things in particular. Much he likes hobbies. to think about ideas. 
He has a bachelor's of philosophy. What? And has been using that to create his own delightful podcast called a, a Freedom of Ideas. He's a think book man. He is a think book man, as uh, as Phoebe says in it's, The her Good name Place. Is Phoebe. I know it's she's Lisa Kudrow playing. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Alopecia. No. Of Alexandria, <laughs> right? Hypatia. Hypatia of Alexandria. I was a few syllables were off, but. Yes, Corey is a think book man. He creates his own podcast called A Freedom of Ideas that is one of my personal favorites. It's a philosophy deep dive that is just delightful. Um, and he also finds himself passionate about things like beauty. And that's why I'm using and that segue. Owls. And owls. Owls are a, his thing. Is this a letter or is it a map? It's just a... Excuse Sorry, me. Another, another quote. Oh, you're um, quoting the. Good is this place. a letter or is okay. this a map? Yeah, no, these are all letters, and here's a lot of words. Yep. In this interview, and many it was words. Just a delight to learn about Corey's history. So I think it's time we get to our interview with Corey. Shall we? We. We're going to get ourselves started with some rapid fire questions, Corey. These are going to be either or just straight from the gut. Don't feel like you need to overthink them. All right. We'll get started with pancakes or waffles. I would say pancakes, pancakes for sure. Shows or movies? Probably shows, though I'm on a bit of a movie kick at the, at the present time. Excellent. Instagram or Twitter? Twitter only because I've never even been on Instagram. <laughs> hey, that's fair. Do you prefer change or consistency? Change. Laundry or dishes? Dishes. Homebody or free spirit? That's a that's a tougher one, and I, I you know I'm the temptation to talk a lot about that, but uh, we'll just say <laughs> uh, we'll say free spirit for for the time being, and I'll and I'll, I'll keep the rest to myself. Fantastic. <laughs> Spender or saver? Spender. Do you call it soda or pop? Soda. Books or movies? Books. Introvert or extrovert? All right, this one I'm going to break the rules because we did this test. I, I had this test on it. wasn't a Myers-Briggs. Okay. But it was uh, just a sort of more intricate version of that that someone had uh, pioneered and we were going to work on something together and blah, blah, blah. So he did the test on me. And I came up with like I'm 50% extreme introvert, 50% extreme extrovert. So I am either side of the spectrum and nowhere in, in between. So it's, it's, I'm either the center of attention or I'm hiding under the bed <laughs> or maybe best. I would be, I, you know, center stage at Carnegie Hall. Everyone is watching me hide under the bed. Uh, that might be my go. peak, Corey. I don't, I don't know. That might be the best thing. Of course. Oh, that's great. Like a zoo? Like, a <laughs> uh, hey, you know, I, I'm okay with that. You'd be great in a zoo. Yeah. 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 I don't know how much wandering I really need to do. I, you know, that I can just kind of hang out. That's fine with me. Oh, fantastic. All right. Some more icebreaker questions then. We'll start with, do you have a favorite novel? I think it's got to be the the sun also rises. It's just one of those novels I come back to again and again and again, um, and, and could pretty much pick it up at any point at any time, and mm. and really enjoy reading it. I mean, there are many others that I that are similar, but that's the one that I just can't ever quite get past. Because I'm a homeless, ignorant ghost. Uh, oh. Who wrote that? That is Hemingway. <laughs> okay. That is Hemingway. Thank you. There we go. <laughs> Fantastic. 
Do you have a collection of anything? Definitely have a collection of books that uh, spills out off the off the shelves onto the floors into the the unheated little house in the back, and uh, I've probably strewn them about in my path th- throughout life. I'm trying to think what what else that might really be it. I mean, unless you count cats, but that's nice. that's, that's slightly different. Fantastic, just like collections of books like and cats. the VHS version of cats or like wow. animals uh, it, see see what I did it, it's more yeah more <laughs> the animals but I, I i mean it would be i guess it would be an interesting theme to add in some now that there are like multiple yeah. versions of, of the 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 movie at the movie and the old thing and cats yeah, could, Heck yeah. You know, merchandise you know playbills yeah of course what's a smell that takes you back to a good memory in your childhood Probably the particular smell of the percolator that my parents used. Uh, coffee. I didn't drink coffee as a kid, but nonetheless, that I mean, there certainly wasn't a day that didn't start with that smell, um, mm-hmm. and it was very pervasive. And it was also very particular. Old metal percolator. I've never, I've never smelled anything that's quite exactly like it. So I only have that. Mm. Like this is the kitchen growing up kind of kind of smell. Mm. That's cool. That's great. I like that. Do you have a favorite dine-in restaurant? Dine in restaurant. Um, I, I mean, there there are just a bunch. I guess I'd have to say that even though we haven't been there in years, and it, it sounds kind of silly, hoity-toity, but it's it's still fun. There's this place in in New York called Chez Josephine, and they do it's it's classic French, and there's just red velvet and Josephine Baker. It's it's her adopted sons, I believe, mm. who who were the owners. I believe they that they, they have since uh, sold it, but mm. um, it was their deal, and the, the place is just almost garish but it's so beautiful and there are pictures of josephine baker all over the place and there's live music and it's traditional french uh fair and and that's kind of the place that when when we're in town my wife and i would almost always go and we've had those great experiences where we, once the original owner came over and and he had some champagne with us then the new owner once we we stayed there like after closing uh, uh, uh um drinking with the the the, the new guy and it, we just had a, a great time so it just has all those wonderful associations mm-hmm. i love that um what are foods you will never eat as long as we're talking about food yeah you know i heard you asking other people this and i've been racking my brain i i in principle you know assuming it's prepared well and, and assuming it is at least theoretically edible and not you know poisonous <laughs> something like that I, I can't really think of anything that you would say Here's this thing, and we've done it well. We've done it exactly like we're supposed to, and people do eat it. But but Corey would not eat it. I I don't I don't, I can't think of anything that falls into that category. Yeah, I appreciate that. I like that. What is the worst fashion trend you've ever participated in? This is tough because I I mean it, it, I think by a certain definition I have never participated in a, a fashion trend or at least like it's I've done so sort of out of time having no sense of I'm part of this trend <laughs> but the trend has not existed in real life oh, for, sure. for decades or, or whatever the deal is but if you call the aging bureaucrat look like you picture someone who works at the Department of Labor where I did actually work for a period of time in DC and wow. and it's this person who's you got the lan- lanyard around their neck and the the glasses on that also were on a lanyard and they're wearing sneakers but also wearing slacks and they, they can tell you all about their retirement account but not really too much about the work they did that day and of course I'm being very stereotypical here and I apologize to my numerous colleagues who are you know are, are still working in the DOL and who I work 
work with. Um, but you see, you picture this person and they got the, they got the slacks that don't quite fit and they got the, the graying wearing down shirt that's buttoned down, but it's probably short sleeve. And then there's the kind of muted and, but not quite in tone floral tie. Like, and you just see someone who's, yeah. who's, who's supposed to be retiring soon. That was a fashion trend that I participated in, but I did it when I was in my 20s and early 30s. So I, I it, perhaps it had an even more discordant and unsettling effect that <laughs> I was supposed to be one of the young professionals coming up and trying to prove myself. And yet I was already dressing in the, in this fashion. Sure. Oh, fantastic. I love that. Dress for the job you have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dress for the job you deserve. Perhaps that. Perhaps that's always been my, you know. I don't know uh, if it was a been want. My, my mantra, whether I knew, said it or not. Yeah. Sure. Breaks the stereotype <laughs> of that adage, doesn't it? Oh, that's good. What What would you say is your biggest pet peeve? Yeah, I, I had to put a lot of thought into this one too, because I, I, I mean, my my life. I, the, there's a, a large and extensive taxonomy of, of pet peeves in, in my life. It's something I like. I'm like a bird watcher of pet peeves. I, I, I observe them. I identify them. I collect them. I, I tell my wife when I found a new one, I get really excited. Yeah. So I, I wanted to limit this down a little bit and not make myself just Maybe sound like five. this. This. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll even just do one. Uh, but I, I did want to put some thought into it. Fantastic. And, and I think it's when people take genuine expertise, real knowledge, real skill, particular skill that, that I can't even begin to conceive of, and they apply it to making things worse. Like spell check on my whatever thing that I type stuff on and the words come up, that has gotten worse. And that didn't just happen. It's not like it wore out. It's not like it broke. Huh. Someone had to go in and make it be worse. And that person is smart and that person is skilled and that person put a lot of thought into making this thing worse. And it, I just, it absolutely boggles my mind how this can happen. And I, you know, I think you could see that up and down the scale of our daily existence. You can see that from the, from the minor to the major, the sacred to the profane. It's, it's, it's kind of all over the place. I wow. agree. That could be really frustrating, especially with technology specific things. Like the people that make these things, they're like, okay, I need to fix this one specific thing. And in doing so, they make everything else about it worse, mm. but they fixed the one thing. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. And, and it's probably not something the thing they fixed is probably something I wasn't either smart yeah. or perceptive enough to know about in the first place. <laughs> so it's like uh, to me, it just seems like, like as this kind of person on the outside looking in, trying to figure out what's even happening. I just feel like I, I'm being taunted. I'm being poked with a <laughs> stick of like, hey, look, wow. you don't understand this, but you know, wow. we're just going to we're going to toy with you a bit. We're going to we're going to hit you with the stick of our knowledge. Uh, it's better now. No, it's not. I promise. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not. Don't 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 make me feel silly. It's not better. It's There's not something better. to say about feature creep in there. Probably that's what you got me thinking about. Like the way like. I think about the way Facebook looked when I first signed up when I was 14. After it had already updated like six times. And now I think about like meta, <laughs> the way Facebook is now. Yeah. Has gotten Hot worse. garbage. Yeah. Uh, Corey, when you were little, what did you tell people you wanted to be when you grew up? There were some... 
a few things here and there. But I think the one, the, the first time I really settled on something was I got it in my head I was going to be an actor. Nice. Um, and I just had that notion very firmly stuck in my head pretty much through to my my early career, quote unquote, career in, in, in college. I don't know if that's appropriate to say, but uh, um, <laughs> that that would be the, I think, the main one that that's, that sticks out. I think at some point in time, I told someone I wanted to be a, a construction worker just because I thought that <laughs> being able to operate one of those machines would be the coolest thing ever. But oh, I, yeah. I won't say that. That I really put a lot of life planning into that sure. so much as that was a little more knee jerk response, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, of course. My last one is, do you have a favorite failure? Maybe something that set you up for future success or taught you a lesson that has really made an imprint on you? I think so. Yeah. And, and this is another one where, you know, the, the, the list is extremely long. So just to be able to pick one, it's like, oh, my, all these other failures of mine, I don't want to discredit them, but I, I will just point out the one. My earliest professional career was uh, amazingly, shockingly, was in sales and marketing, which was not a great fit. It just kind of happened. And I stumbled into it with my, you know, degrees in philosophy and theater arts. I, I ended up, you know, it's a looking for something to do and it was sales and marketing and was ended up being part of this this firm that was weird and and unpleasant and I didn't enjoy it and I didn't enjoy the work I was doing and I was driving home from the office to where uh, which was in New Hampshire to where I lived in Boston and I was listening to Ani DeFranco and uh, the the song Willing to Fight came on which of, of course if you know it is just this wonderful like you know at least for for my generation this great rallying song of trying to live with some kind of purpose and and direction and I'm listening to this song and as I'm going through and kind of mouthing the words and half singing I, I realize that I'm also weeping which is not something I do too often huh. and that's when it hit me like oh wait a minute, I'm, you know, I haven't done, you know, my, my life is still very new, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but I'm wasting it. You know, this is not good. So I'm going to go home. I'm going to give my notice and I'm going to start looking for, uh, I'm going to play out my time as much as I have to. I'm going to go start looking for something in the nonprofit social services, something that means something to me, whatever that might be. Wow. And that was, I think, when my actual career per se, the thing that I've put time and thought and energy and, and elements of myself into, mm -hmm. uh, that, that's when that actually started. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Just that that sense of like, oh, I am not connecting with where I am right now. I'd, something has to change. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. And 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 it's. I mean, just as a, a nice little asterisk to how much of a failure it actually was. That was just before the IT boom in the um in the the sort of I forget like mid to late nineties kind of thing where anything that called itself information technology suddenly you know, was 10 times more uh, valuable than it had been the day before. That happened a couple months after I quit. And of course, <laughs> what I quit was an IT firm. Um, so of course, uh, oh, so wow. it really does have the a failure element is, is very tangible in there. But you know, that that's good. It just makes it all the more meaningful, I guess. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. And, and setting you up on a course that you've connected with since, right? Like setting up with the nonprofit and the social work. Oh, that's fantastic. Very much so. Absolutely. Absolutely. My goodness. Well, that's the that's the end of the rapid fire and the icebreaker. Corey DiBiase, what a delight uh, for you to be on No Normal People. Thank you so much for agreeing to spend some time with us. The delight is mine. Absolutely. I'm very excited to to be here. Um, we're going we're gonna to start pretty much at the beginning of your life story here to get to know you. I'm curious, 
where and when did you grow up and what was your family like growing up? And feel free to provide as many or as little details as you prefer. Oh, uh, sure. Absolutely. So was born in South Jersey, but had moved from South Jersey by the time I was uh, a year old. So really grew up in upstate New York mm -hmm. in uh, a pretty rural. I, I think it's actually technically the most rural county in New York, very rural area, very ended up in a very small school um, because it was the, the only school that was there. <laughs> so that that was fun and um, actually sort of resonates with what is now my my life in Montana a lot more than you might think hearing, you know, New York. That kind of thing, but anyway, I mean, my parents were were school teachers. We had, uh, I, I would say, a comparatively uh, normal life growing up. I had three younger siblings, and and my parents, and we all just kind of kind of did our things out in the out in the country in New York. Yeah, that's great. So at this one school, that was pretty much your only option. Was this pretty much where you gained your entire like public education, K through twelve? Yes, it was. So we had, it was K through 12. Uh, there were 200 students. Uh, my, oh my class gosh. was, I think, at, at 19, you know, uh, give or take, it was wow. 19 students the entire time I was there. Wow. Um, which, so when I, when I tell people I was fifth in my class, I, I tend to leave it as a, a ranking, not as a percentage. fifth of kind of thing. That's, sure. that's not what, you know, that, that's not quite as impressive. Um, yeah. Don't provide the denominator on that one. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, and uh, again, small school, but I, I think a, a comparatively good one. Uh, definitely folks who are really invested in public education. I mean, you know, not everybody, but it was folks who were, the, the teachers were, really wanted to be there wanted to be doing what they were doing and it was a uh, it was a lot of fun it was for as small as it was it was it was a lot of fun yeah of course in that high school age range i'm curious to know what kind of kid you were in school like extracurriculars you were a part of or or things just completely outside of the scope of school but like what were your interests and what like as you were becoming a young man what kind of person were you at that age Certainly, I'd say drama club was the the defining thing. Uh, they actually Fantastic. had uh, someone who'd done uh, drama in in uh, you know in in New York, the city, New York, which to us at the time <laughs> was right. really like, oh my god, wow, that's like a this foreign country that's elegant and <laughs> extravagant and dangerous and all these things, and so they must know all these things about life. So, uh, so that was interesting, and and she was intense and and funny and weird in a way that you kind of want someone in theater to be, and um, so really got into that that led to doing some theater on the the county in, in the, the 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 county level players as well which was uh which was neat and and fun and you know, nothing intense at all but it was always it was always fun and always something that i really felt very much connected to versus a lot of other pieces of you know I, I was never into sports. I was, I was never that kid by any stretch of the imagination at all. So that was the first time I think I really felt like, oh, okay, this is something where it's not just me sinking into my own head or running off into the woods. This is me with other people. And yet we're all kind of working in this, in this, with this common goal and in this common way and, and having some fun and, and doing something interesting. So, right. Wow. Yeah. That's great. So following high school, um, what was the college journey like for you if you did attend college? 
I did, yeah. So I started out at Simon's Rock, uh, which is a small college in Massachusetts, and and their thing, and we, we need to be careful not to uh, draw the wrong conclusions from this, but their thing is to take students after the, the 10th grade. So I, I never did my, wow. I don't actually have uh, any kind of uh, high school diploma or GED or anything like that. Oh. I, I just went right into to college from there. Wow. And as the school itself, or at least, you know, as the, the, the more honest folks at the school will tell you, that isn't some kind of like, you know, we go out and we we comb the world for, you know, students of such academic distinction that in this kind of Doogie Hauser like way, they're ready to go, comp, you know, you know, uh, uh, face off against these great intellectual challenges. Mm. It's basically they're looking for kids who if we leave them in public school any longer, they will either completely disconnect or they'll just drop out or we don't know what they'll, they'll do. They'll turn into even more misfits than they already are. So <laughs> let's drag them over here. Let's put them in this place of all these other misfits and hopefully they can get together and work something out and and get themselves on track which apparently uh, most of us did <laughs> you know give or take so there for a couple of years and there and then went to one of the SUNY, one of the State University of New York schools at Purchase which uh did that for my bachelor's in philosophy nice oh yes a bachelor's in philosophy i considered philosophy for my bachelor's when i started college at the time were you getting lines like what would you possibly do with a <laughs> philosophy degree I, I was at times but i i had start i'd started with theater you know i have my associates in theater so arts and direction yeah. so so i it was, this was like i was going corporate it's like oh yeah Corey's ready to put the suit right. on and, and go totally straight laced <laughs> now that he's now that he's talking about hegel all the time this is so many marketable skills that he's acquiring now and it was really happenstantial as well as the strangest thing like i i it was this kind, I don't, I can't, I, I'll, I'll say honestly, I can't even remember what prompted the choice exactly because I'd applied to the theater school at Purchase mm -hmm. and I'd been accepted and it was all good and I was going. And then just somewhere between applying and being accepted and actually showing up, I decided, yeah, you know what I'll do instead is philosophy. And it what, what's amazing is it turned out that the, the place had this wonderful, small but wonderful philosophy department with these professors that I, I just, they blew my mind. The, the quality of how uh, just how thoughtful and intricate and, and diverse and 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 uh, just interesting they were overall, but it wasn't any like I just kind of stumbled into that because somewhere at some point I decided, nah, I'm going to do this different thing now and it'll just be this and hopefully it's a good school for that because I'm already committed to going there. Right, so, right. There you wow. go. I literally here. I remember in college. You're from Montana, so you know Rocky. So we went to Rocky and uh, I went for music performance and education originally. And uh, hmm. literally so many times people would be like, well, at least like the comparison between the music department and the theater department. It's like music kids, they're going to end up living in a car. Theater kids end up living in a box. <laughs> and I feel like when you transfer from theater to philosophy, it's like you just get a slightly bigger box. Wow. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's you a bigger box, the but box. then you have more books that you need to store in it yeah. with you. So it's a it's a exactly. it's definitely a trade-off. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, of course. Do you think looking back, I mean the the transition from performing arts to philosophy, you know, because I, I think of people who are typically thought of I mean, like Hemingway might even be a good example since we've mentioned him already. It's like the connection between philosophy and the arts 
is probably closer than we all give it credit for. Do you see that correlation to kind of looking back on it now like that? I would absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And I would say that my own bent in theater was, you know, I mean, that it's that part of me that is the the radical attention seeker. Of course, I love being on stage. I I loved all that. But Mm -hmm. there was this other aspect of it. Like I I would read Artaud and I would read even Stanislavski and, and some of the other kind of theorists are around the theater that that kind of just fascinated me and it and it it was all this stuff that if you really looked at the the nuts and bolts of it was really about like okay how do we how do we simulate humanity to the greatest and truest possible extent which that's i mean that is a profound philosophical question right when you when you think about it it's like how do we pretend to be people that we're not but pretend in a way that the the stakes are as, as real and as high as they can possibly be, at least from an emotional standpoint for the person doing it. Um, so I, I'm sure if I really thought through the strands of it, I, I'd probably see a much more obvious transition than I do when I look back now, having not thought about it. It's like, yeah, I was in theater for a while. And then then I just <laughs> then I did philosophy and it was like a thing that I did one and, and then I did the other. So that's how it happened. And I think it was one first thing. Like, but I'm sure there's a lot more, as you say, a lot more cohesiveness between the ideas than 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 immediately meets the eye. Sure. Well, yeah, and I, I also think of, you know, artists who do philosophy through their their art. You know, I think Dostoevsky is probably a name mm-hmm. that comes to mind for me. The philosophy and even the theology, I would say that he does through his stories and through his art is like, it is certainly like connects some of those strands and those streams together. Absolutely. Oh, without a doubt. And I I think you could say, I'm just thinking about Hemingway. I I think you could say something similar, although Hemingway himself would probably have said, you know, get out of here with that, that, um, you know, academic nonsense. I'm, I'm writing because I have, I have hair on my chest and I fight bulls and I, and right. I, sure. I wrestle things. And, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but really there was something pretty profound about, you know, what it meant for him again, to be representing something, things that were not real, but with as much reality as, as was possible given the medium. I, I think there's some probably pretty interesting things to, to think about and to say about them. Yeah, of course. Right. That also makes me think of the way Tolkien was so against the idea of any any work of Middle Earth in his anthology to be like called allegory. He was so against being seen as an allegorist. Um, really, I didn't know that. I, I'd always heard the thing with him, like kind of the World War One comparisons. I, 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 I had no idea that he really resisted that that idea. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I guess he was a pretty uh, a staunch critic of his friend C.S. Lewis for <laughs> laying the allegory on so thick with the Chronicles of uh, Narnia. Indeed. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> The yeah, there's thickest. a little symbolism in in the Chronicles of Narnia, isn't there? Like isn't it, yeah, just, just a little like bit of a uh, little, <laughs> just so, a stush, I guess. So you did specify that your bachelor's degree came from Purchase. Following a bachelor's, did you pursue uh, any postgrad work? I did a little when I, I I worked for the University of Massachusetts, but not as a like you know, not not in their academic side, but in a, a kind of university center that they had doing doing work around uh, workforce development and disability and, and other sort of policy related issues. I briefly was pursuing a, a public policy degree, thinking that that kind of fit with the work that I was doing, but it. 
Um, I, it was fascinating and I enjoyed it, but I it also, it just, I never kind of got traction with it and it never ended up being something that uh, my career seemed to demand either. So it was more kind of an academic and a curiosity, I would say, than, than something I really pursued with any kind of rigor. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. So as we pivot then kind of toward your career, I'm assuming we're speaking of the career that came after the 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 flop of the sales and advertising world. Yeah. Yeah. We can we can skip over the selling vacuum cleaners in the Hudson Valley in, in New York. Uh that that being what when I say sales and marketing, that we are, we're we're not talking about mad men here. I'm not Don Draper. I was, you know, I was hoofing around with with uh vacuum cleaners and then cell phones in an area where there was no cell reception. So that that was fun. Um oh, uh, but then yeah and, you know, I, I think I sold long distance plans over the phone for a period of time. So, you know, wow. all stuff that I, I would say I was well rid of. But that's, yeah, it's more into the, the social services, public policy kind of realm. You're listening to our interview with Corey DiBiase, and we'll be right back. Dixie, one thing I've learned in my small time traveling this globe of ours, mostly around our country. I've only Get to been the point. Country. The point is you don't have to settle for bad coffee on the road. And I've learned this between some of the neat gadgets I have for making pour over coffee on the go. Mm-hmm. But really the key is to bring quality coffee with you. The beans, the grinds. Get that bean. And I find that the Highline blend coffee that we sell in the Highline merch store is the perfect complement to is, any trip. It is blended for your pleasure. It has served us well in a... Wow! <laughs> that was a <laughs> solid joke, my Thank dear. You. you are the light of my life, my queen. <laughs> I love making coffee with you. You've taught me to make pour-overs. Heckin' yeah. And those pour-overs are amazing when we're in an Airbnb in some other city. When we we're B&B in it. But it's with that fresh Highline coffee that just makes a beautiful vacation morning absolutely that perfect. fresh dirt juice. It's amazing. Yeah. So if you are traveling a little bit more like we are, now that we're vaccinated. Yeah. And. Take that, COVID. Staying healthy. Sure. You should bring these bring choice. The bean. Bring these choice beans. No, no, with no. You. I'm gonna make a sticker. Bring the bean. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's no context. Borderline, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll do. I'll do the the blended for your pleasure. Listen, one. <laughs> if you would like to bring the bean, as Dixie Lee says, you can get your own at Highline.network/shop. No Normal People is a proud founding member of the Highline Media Network alongside shows like Keller's Couch and Ravel. And today we'd like to feature a quick teaser from our friends over at The Whiskey Bench. Our sort of fundamental institutions, like separate branches of power, representative government coupled with like a republic style to prevent mob rule, right? Pure democracy's mob rule. So all these checks that we have against that, the separation of powers, an independent judiciary, our constitutional rights, all of these fundamental things that were so unique in America's formation, despite all of our flaws, those things have held. And they are so important to hold on to because those are the only things that are limiting state authority and guaranteeing any semblance of individual autonomy. 
Yeah. So, um, would you just kind of tell me the, I guess the evolution of your career starting from then and, uh, is, is it all related and does it get to where your career kind of finds itself today as well? Pretty much. I, I would say like, um, it's, it's, it's kind of a winding road and I would say it's about, it is certainly my, you know, in terms of my, what do I do for a living kind of stuff that this is really it. And I, sure. so cutting back to my, you know, I, I, I get out of the Tercel, I, I, um, I, 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 I loosen my, uh, my, my floral knit tie or whatever it was. And I <laughs> get down to thinking about what I want to do next. I literally applied for, I mean, it was like this, this confused, uh, preparation averse, planning averse, idealist kind of hodgepodge of like, I applied to, for jobs with a national organization on women. I have this something about, uh, fighting nukes. I had something about anti-poverty, something about pollution, something about the environment. You know, anything I could find that sounded like, oh yeah, that's a that's a cause that I think sounds good. Boom, right. I applied. Wow. I sent resumes everywhere. The place that I ended up actually working, where they had they had any interest in in uh, in uh, availing themselves of my presence, was was this uh, disability service provider, and mm-hmm. it was um, one of these kind of old school places where folks were mainly served in. What we now call it's kind of like a uh, we we now could say sheltered workshop, but basically it's a it's a, it's this kind of spot that's off outside of the community. It's it's and, we, and people with disabilities are there, kind of kind of working and not really being served in any way that's integrated with the rest of the community. And thankfully, uh, as I'm 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 happy about this. As, as my career grew, I got out of that and then started more into. Okay, how do we actually serve folks who want to get? And th- and by the way, that any person with a with a disability, in my opinion, uh, is, should certainly have these opportunities uh, available to them. Um, but the, st- sort of more started looking at how do we serve folks who are looking at competitive employment? How do we serve folks who are looking at wanting to live on their own or wanting to live with friends who they choose to live with? Hmm. Um, you know, how do we, how do we serve folks who want to direct their, their own lives, their own existences, but will presumably need some support in, in so doing what, what does that look like? Um, and it's it kind of so happened that my career has been, it started when, those ideas started to become more commonplace that you'd see a lot more services designed that way. Right. Whereas, you know, I mean, you go back however many decades and you would not see any services designed that way. All services were designed in a way that was meant to, meant to be very isolating, meant to be very uh, separating of people with disabilities from everybody else. Yeah. So this was more looking at that integration piece and, Thankfully for me, that basically my career has been defined by this, like just continuing to push push these questions of what does this mean to ensure that people with disabilities are directing their own existences, are are moving in their own direction, and again receiving whatever support is appropriate. Which, of course, if you were to describe any one of our lives, we would hopefully be able to describe it as. I'm pushing in the direction I want to push. I, I'm doing what I can. I'm defining my life in the way that I that I can, and and I'm availing myself of the support that I need to do that. that I mean, hopefully, mm-hmm. that's a pretty normal description mm-hmm. of a life, and and I think that's what more and more you see these services, particularly as these services begin to be more and more defined and designed by people with disabilities themselves. You you see that that being the direction the the field is sort of going in. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Wow, it's it, been neat. It's been fun. It's uh, the word that comes to mind is dignity. Mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Help absolutely. helping, helping folks like really live into the dignity of their own lives and not feel like they're being a, a burden on the people who love them on the people who serve them. Um, but they get to feel, uh, self-actualized by the work you're helping to, to promote and, you know, set them up on a path or set them up in a, in an environment in which they can thrive. Wow. That sounds fantastic. And, and the crux of it, and I think this goes directly to this this point about dignity, uh, and this is a phrase, you, you hear this phrase now applied to a, a lot of different areas of social services and just the way we think about equality and, and, and these other ideas. Mm-hmm. One of the seminal phrases in the disability movement was that, that there should be nothing about us without us. And and I, I say that, I should that say, I so do not good. define myself as a person with a, a significant disability. I don't, I don't say that because I, I resist the label, just because I want to be clear about how I identify myself, that um, I am not the us in, in this case. Right. But the more you see this this field, really, the, the reins being taken by folks who are themselves the people who are most are most concerned by it, most invested in it, most uh, affected by it. Um, the the more the field begins to take on that hue of you know dignity, self sufficiency, self direction, et cetera, et cetera. Which of right. course, you know, it's just fantastic. I mean, that's just see. the basis of representation. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially especially finding people who can do the work who themselves belong to that community, like you pointed out. Like, wow, what a what a way to get the message across. You know, it's not, maybe it doesn't come across as ableist if, if someone without a disability is trying to say like, yeah, just like pick yourself up, you know, bootstrapism. Right. <laughs> right. Indeed. You know, indeed. Go conquer your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas so. representation from someone who is, who's doing the work to, to help or to uh, establish who, who themselves find themselves in that community that, that must go such a long way. Mm-hmm. I've, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really, it's, I mean, I, a lot of the work that I'm doing now is more on sort of a, a policy level and it's on, it's, it's, it's training, it's consultation. I, I've, I've kind of moved off into more of a, a consulting kind of role, but you, you definitely see the impact at, at every level you see, you know, not, you know, the, the way we talk about the field, the way we talk about people, the way we think about policy, the way we think about how money is spent, the way mm. we just, just everything kind of changes when you refix the gravitational focus to be around the individual and around the people and around their identity and around the humanity versus like, okay, well, I'm a, I'm a good bureaucrat. I'm going to figure this out. I'll use my spreadsheet. I'll use my statistics and I'll just figure out what's the best way to kind of design these services from a, from an abstract policy perspective. Obviously the, the lens changes significantly when, when it's, uh, when the thought is around the gravity of, of an individual human life, that, uh, that, that kind of thing. So, um, as I say, uh, definitely a, a very fun, very interesting, very compelling field of work that, of course, uh, you know, as I will say about many of the best things in my life, I completely stumbled into. I'd like to say I had this wonderful plan. But no, I was I was I was driving along I-93 in in, uh, in Massachusetts and I, you know, I'm crying listening to Andy DeFranco. And then, you know, two weeks later, I'm I'm in, I'm in a career and you know who knew. But that, that's how it worked. Thank you. Right. <laughs> wow. Is that. Sorry, I don't know if Steven actually has a question about this, but is that what brought you to Montana? Well, you know, yes, in a in a roundabout way. Um, I was uh, when I worked for the University of Massachusetts, uh, I was on a grant project where we were providing technical assistance to a number of states that had this particular kind of grant. 
Montana was one of those states. So I, that was my first instance of being able to, to come out here and experience it. And of course I was, I was blown away in theory. I was blown away by the, you know, just the idea of the American West and the look of the mountains. Right. And I mean, I just, it was everything just kind of blew my mind because I'd never experienced it. I'd never really been outside of what you would call the Northeast of the country before then. Mm. But having been out here a couple of times, getting to know a, a, a particular colleague, I forget the exact circumstances of it, but he uh, um, he wasn't with me. But I was driving around all over the state; must have put you know, hundreds of miles on the on the rental car, going from town to town to all these little project sites. And just as I'm about to leave, like it was my last night uh, in in the state, I was going to fly out of Great Falls the next day. And my um, then this my contact says to me, "Oh, you know, Corey." Before, if your flight's not until the afternoon, you got we have one more meeting you, you've got to do tomorrow. And, and I want you to go to Cut Bank and uh, it'll be there. <laughs> you're going to go to the, the, the job service and you're going to meet with this woman. And it's, you know, it's just really important. It's like, like I said, well, you know, there's, there's no project site in, in Cut Bank that we don't do anything in Cut Bank. So why, why exactly am I, am I doing? No, no, no. It's just really important. <laughs> Nobody does anything in Cut yeah, Bank. Right. It's, you know, um, <laughs> so, and I, not knowing this at the time, I nonetheless, I had this sense like, okay, this, this is not, you know, this is not a normal thing. This right. is not part of the normal way of doing business. And lo and behold, I, uh, the next uh, morning, I had uh, coffee with uh, a woman to whom I am to whom I am now married. Ah, uh, what a wild turn of events! Like, just hey, your flight is in the afternoon. I have one more for you. Here's um, your yeah. wife. Yeah, literally, that was my next question. I was going to ask where you met your wife. What an insane yeah. serendipity! <laughs> and yet not at all what I had anticipated for the for that uh, particular day. Um, so was but, it an actual know, meeting, was. or was it? It was, just... she didn't know any better than I did what we were supposed to be meeting about. Like, it was just this very like, oh, you just got to have a meeting. And in the, in the human services field, this isn't, I should say, it's not all that strange for someone to just say, oh, you've just got to have this meeting. Right. No idea what the agenda is. No idea what the purpose is. I mean, meetings are, they're, they're kind of self-fulfilling. They have their own purpose. A right. meeting is a purpose onto itself in human services. So, you know, you don't of ask course. too many questions. Yeah. You just go do the meeting. And, and she kind of did the same thing I did. Like, what, why on earth do I why? need to talk to this bozo coming in from out of state <laughs> telling me how to do my job? I don't need this. Yeah. <laughs> and this has got nothing to do with me. And lo and behold, here, here, here we are. Lo these many, geez, now um, uh, I, I, I think almost decades later, you know? Wow. That's awesome. Spectacular. I had a feeling that's how- So things do happen in Cupbank, Monta- Dixie. <laughs> Just that's one right. thing happened in Cupbank. That's right. <laughs> yeah. They named Cupbank. That's a win. And then you met your wife. Yeah. That was it. Yes. Um. <laughs> oh, wow. That's wow, excellent. that's great. And that gets you here to Montana. That's so. Are you and your wife in work together still? Because it sounded like the meeting that happened in Cutbank was between essentially colleagues or peers, at least. We are in the same field, yeah. So, um, and uh, Mary's been in education. Uh, she's been in, uh, in in human services and workforce development and disability services. So we occupy, I would say, roughly similar kinds of positions, do similar kinds of work for sure. We don't really work together on anything, which might be for the best (laughs) um, given our our particular natures, but we certainly Mm -hmm. share a a field and we we do a very similar kind of work. Wow. I love that. Well, Corey, we have arrived at my favorite portion of the show. Uh, We gave you a, a slight preview of this, but this is the, this is the question 
that I pretty much designed no normal people to get at. Um, because I'm very fascinated with what makes people tick and what they're like extremely passionately excited about and interested in. Like, what do you think and talk about when you have nothing else to think and talk about? Cause that is clearly the way you have engineered your life to kind of be, be pointing towards something that fascinates you or that interests you or that just fires you up. So this is kind of just my open-ended way of, of laying the floor for you and we'll go wherever you would like to go, whatever you'd like to discuss. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, so I, I'd say, if, as we were discussing before, just to very broadly break it down, I think what fascinates me the most is, uh, on, on the one hand, it's beauty. On the other hand, it's ideas. And, you know, ideally, it's where those two things really intersect. I mean, if you're, you know, Dostoevsky being a fantastic example of like, <laughs> yes, this is this is all of these things kind of happening at once. So Yeah, right. Whenever I have the the energy or the thought or the the inspiration to spare, it's it's gonna presumably go in in one of those kinds of directions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the confluence of that art and that philosophy again. I'm seeing the connection again. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, maybe we could discuss the way this has kind of manifested itself as your very own podcast and the ideas you like to share um, on that feed. Sure. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. So my podcast uh, called A Freedom of Ideas, and it is mainly uh, around philosophy, although that's not all. We're going to start to sort of weave in a little more looking at history, a little more looking at literature, maybe um, as as things go forward. But it primarily is about using the, the ideas of philosophy, using the history of philosophy to consider what this notion of freedom is, what it means, what its ramifications are. Uh, what we need to do to maintain it, what we need to do to enliven it. And I would say, you know, certainly not wanting to turn this into uh, anything political or anything like that, but I I would definitely say what inspired me on this particular topic, uh, which wasn't something that like, you know, in school, I wasn't thinking, oh, it's uh, freedom, freedom, freedom all the time. I got to think about freedom. It wasn't ever my favorite subject then, but I, I think what has caught me Recently, and and I've recently over the last five, ten years, uh, but more and more and more, it seems, is that this word is being used in ways that don't seem don't seem to 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 fit for me. Or and I shouldn't even say that. I should say that that don't let the idea have the breadth and the complexity and the beauty that I think it should. And I further think. That these ideas, uh, this is kind of, in a sense, the premise of the show, ideas like freedom or morality or good or evil or love or, you know, whatever, that your your big, big dollar sign human ideas, the defining human ideas, these are ideas that I really believe that we create in the way that we talk about them, in the way that we think about them, in the way that we discuss them and, and use them and, and push on them and, and, and test them and whatever else you want to say it. That's, that is the currency. That is how these ideas are created and woven and enlivened or ultimately 
that's how these ideas get trampled and deflated, <laughs> and uh, right. that's how, how the life gets taken out of them entirely. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like we, we kind of have a choice. We can do one or the other. We can either build it up by having as many different ideas, as, as much diversity, as much thought, as much debate, as much interest, as much uh, passion as we can about it, or we can just say, okay, this is a, this is going to become a tagline. This is going to become something I put on a bumper sticker or a t-shirt, and, <laughs> right. and that's what it's going to be, and We'll see how long that lasts, that it, it, it remains kind of one of the pinnacle features of, of the human experience. So yeah. that, that, that in a, in a, that's a, a broad kind of rambling nutshell of, of what drove me to the podcast and, and what I want it really to, to embody as we go forward with it. Yeah, that's great. I, so I, I listened along as season one was coming out. It was recommended to me by, I, th- I think our, our mutual Twitter friend at my Montana thoughts, my MT thoughts. That's funny. Um, it's a good name. But uh, yeah, so he introduced <laughs> me to the show. I honestly don't know how he found it, but how do any of us find podcasts that we listen to nowadays? That's Who the knows? great question. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was introduced to your show and season one really laying the groundwork by, I mean, tackling the philosophical basics of even, uh, you know, the idea of like objective truth was fascinating mm. to me. Yeah, that the the ideas of free will versus determinism, especially mm-hmm. from an angle mm-hmm. that I am less familiar with having a like a Christian faith background myself, like I can argue myself around free will and determinism quite a bit within the realm of theology, but uh from sure. your angle of, you know, naturalistic angles, it was just a fascinating way for me to kind of approach the same topic from a, just a completely different vantage point that I found fascinating. Thank you. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I, um, I, one of the most interesting things about this for me has been the, the engagement with, and I, I, um, I, I will say the, the, my empty thoughts. I, I don't, I don't know who that person is. This is not an <laughs> in real life person for me. And yet is, I, I will say, and I, I know they listen to, to this show as well. Uh, the first person who out of the blue, who I did not know, uh, who chimed in and said, Hey, I'm listening to this, I'm enjoying it. And I, I, I appreciate it, which was kind of one of those, you know, life-changing moments of like, oh, wait a minute, this isn't just, ha- this isn't something I put in a little bottle and I bury in the backyard, which at times, as, I, as I'm sure you would agree as a podcaster, you start thinking yes. like, you know, it, it tells me that it's going out there. It yeah. tells me that the world can see it, but I think maybe it's just going to my phone and to my wife's phone and to like my, my buddy's phone and they're under instructions to kind of humor me. But otherwise the world, you know, this is, there's, yeah. a, there's a shadow over this. And this was the first time I was like, oh, wow. So it's actually out there. And not only that, it's apparently not an atrocity. It's apparently not awful. I said, wow, that's right. so exciting. So, it's Schrodinger's um, podcast. <laughs> yes yes indeed yes indeed and and people are listening and they're also not listening (laughs) and and until um at uh at my empty thoughts opened the box yeah i didn't know whether the cat i had no idea what was going on with (laughs) that cat and we didn't know until the observer (laughs) arrived we really didn't know Um, no, I, I will confirm for you, Corey, that it's not just apparently good. It is definitely good. I enjoy the show quite a bit. You, you, you pulled a, you pulled a move on me during season one. We, you were discussing soul 
And mm. uh, um, being a person who's inclined to at least like humor the idea of a soul, like I, I, I prefer a world in which that might be a reality, if I can say it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. You, you talked about it and I was discussing with another friend of mine, you know, I was, I was discussing the idea of a soul and like I was trying, what I tried to do um, was ascribe the indefinableness of soulishness to quantum mechanics and just kind of bury it in the, uh, the God of the philosophical gaps as it were within (laughs) any kind of model of physics or science that I could try and cram it in. And then the episode, the epiphenomena episode that you put out entitled, Oh, I had to write it down. Quantum entranslement. Um, Mm -hmm. yes. (laughs) Predicted that I would try and do that. And then you spent 30 to 40 minutes very compellingly telling me why I wasn't allowed to do that. And that was one of <laughs> that was one of the most wild podcast listening experiences I've ever had. I'm like, oh wow. How did this guy know that I was gonna do that? He <laughs> listens to your podcast. Well and, and, and yeah, and that's um I, that's that's really fun. And then that I, I, I believe that's one of the first interactions that you and I had at at, at any length was your it was, comment yeah. on that on that show. And I um which uh, that was yet another instance of like, okay, great, this is you know we've opened the box again and the cat is still there doing very well so this is yet more good news right yeah but yet no i had no idea that that particular that that had so uh, that 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 idea had had kind of captured you in that way that's that's really interesting i should listen to more podcasts as as far (laughs) as maybe a commentary on ideas and beauty working together that really felt like a moment where I don't know. Just it felt like all sorts of coincidence just lined up. You, without knowing me, predicted that I would try like make the argument I tried to make, and then you had ideas contrary that I greatly appreciated. And I was like, "Wow, this this was well played." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you should know that. I mean, there are certainly, as I'm, I'm sure you do know, there there are there are many a great mind uh, that have done this exact thing um yep. that, that we kind of like okay well we since we don't really ex- you know understand this call it soul call it consciousness call it you know mind i mean we, we don't understand any of them I, I would say very well at all since we don't understand that and since certainly the vast vast majority of us don't understand quantum mechanics at all and then the people who understand it extremely well i I think would still admit that they don't you know it's not like they have a perfect working knowledge of it because there are those gray areas on either side well they must just fit very very nicely together and somehow have something to do with one another and and maybe they do it's it's entirely possible but i do think that whatever I mean, I mean, like, even if you if you came to me tomorrow with the proof of like, oh, look here, Corey, I, we 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 did it. We um we we looked into the mind and we saw that absolutely it is a quantum mechanical interaction that creates the spark that causes this, that causes that, that causes that, and that is why you are able to be conscious. I would still want a different kind of explanation as well, which is, I mean, it's the the difference between saying that that you could that you could identify the heart in the human body and you could, you know, show me how it works and you could kind of dissect it and carve it up versus how does this, how does this integrate itself into the overall working mechanism of the human body? And how does that then further translate into the overall working mechanism of the human being? Particularly, I mean, once you start talking consciousness, you're talking about 
our place in the world, our interaction with it, our understanding of it, our 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 ability to project ourselves out into it, our our ability to interact with other minds, all those other pieces. I don't care what what role quantum physics or anything else, the amygdala or or the pituitary gland or whatever else, I don't care what role they actually play. None of them alone are going to explain that three dimensional notion, or you know, maybe more than that. I don't know, but that that really complex notion of the of the human being, the mind, the consciousness, the soul in existence in the world in interaction with with other things including other minds so yeah right that really that really gets me thinking about just like the basic complexities of like the human physical system and you know like Mm. the heart can't function without the brain and the brain can't function without the heart and then you know bring it all the way back to being in the womb like the mother's brain processes all the function in in the baby's body before the brain is formed and like it just turtles all the way down like (laughs) absolutely Absolutely. connections and relationships yeah and i i would also say that i i it was man i just i can't get over that feeling of like you're discussing i love your i love your homebrew word entrancelment (laughs) <laughs> you're discussing that as I feel like for- you said that and I was like that's not real yeah no like but I mean <laughs> no, you discussed no, it on your podcast in such a way <laughs> that I was like even just the idea that that thinkers have about quantum entanglement I'm like something about Corey just got entangled in my head because he preempted everything <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking yeah <laughs> that was insane <laughs> Well, that's cool. I, I I dig that. You know, what's funny is that talking about this, um, I, I don't know this, but I don't imagine that you are particularly inclined to be theologic or religious in, or yeah. religious in any way. I wouldn't assume that you were. Um, but this phenomenon that you are describing and talking about with Stephen, it's I mean, in this situation, I find it very endearing and like the the complexities behind it is very interesting to me. But then when I remove it and then put it in the lens of religion and theology and that whole like the spirit led me to talk about this and like you heard it. So that <laughs> means it was for you. Yeah, that right. whole I want once wow. it like hits the realm of religion, I'm like, OK, shut up. <laughs> I don't care anymore. <laughs> but this is great. <laughs> interesting. And and that and that and, and I and we might be going down a, a little rabbit hole here, but it, it yeah. seems like we're we're sort of being um the 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 fates are aligning or the or this the spirit is coalescing or the yeah. um or the 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 quantum is entangling or entrancling in such a way that that, that maybe we should. Um, <laughs> I, I would first of all say that I I, I find theology uh, fascinating i would i will also say that i have it at times in my life been so i would i would i have identified myself as a religious person i do not do right. so now what is perhaps interesting is that my definition of religion was something that and and I never really questioned it all that much. I mean I I would have called myself uh, a Christian broadly. Um right. but my notion of of religion was one that I would have thought of as 
being so traditional that I never really would have put any thought into it. And then, you know, yeah. uh, Stephen, if we want to do a uh, turnabout is, is fair play, you, you you did a tweet once. And I mean, this is high level intellectual conversation. We can talk about each other's tweets. Um, but we, uh, <laughs> it, you, you did this tweet about uh, about the, this notion. I think it it was a C.S. Lewis Lewis quote, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, that you either have to regard uh, Jesus as the savior, yeah. and boom, that's it. That that aligns all of your thinking in that direction, or you've you got to say that he's maybe he's a he's a madman, and or he's a he's a con, or I, I forget what yeah. the exact yeah. is. And that once once you've made that choice. Everything else has to line up on those axes. And I would, if, if you'd have asked me, if you'd have, you know, if it had, someone had asked me, is that a true statement that you've got to make that choice? And once you've made that choice, all like everything else just lines up along that axis. I would, I would have said, absolutely. Yes, of course. Yeah, it yeah. cannot be any other way. And then you come in with this noise about how no, it it absolutely can be this other way. And I and I'll be honest, I, I, I in in part from that, in part from some of the other things I've heard you talk about, in part from the folks, the the conversations that you've had uh, uh, in this forum uh, with with some other folks, I. It's really realigned my thinking about the possibilities of what Christian theology can entail, and in ways that I. I, I mean, months ago would have said, no, it's not even possible. These are simple facts about what this means and what Christian theology simply must imply. So it, right. it's been re- really interesting for me, I, I got to say. Yeah. Oh, great. I, so this conversation really, really, like, I I have been thinking a lot about, like, the entanglements of, like, specific beliefs or understandings, and it I literally, this is like out of nowhere and again, rabbit hole, but more like spider hole um, because I've been, I've been thinking about these entanglements and I, I read something about spiders recently about how most spiders, there's like 46,000 types of spiders in the world, but most spiders build their web and then it only stays up for like maybe 24 to 48 hours and then they tear it down. Hmm. And like, there's a whole process of like, them making the silk and letting it fly in the wind and then making sure that it gets caught on something and then they test to see if if that connection is strong and then they decide okay now i'm going to connect it to you know six other points there's typically seven points on a spider's web and they go around and they build this web yeah literally um and like they will go back and forth along these lines like okay this is strong this is good like and if they make a mistake, they go back and they literally consume that part of the web that they tried to build. And then they go back and start building from that point again. And like the idea that like Jesus is Jesus is a madman or Jesus is the savior. Like I can build a web on both of these things. <laughs> yeah, I can. Right, like, and, right. and there's points in between them that like are strong and I can build between the, this cohesively and then i can tear it all down and consume my web and then build it on the other one the next day like but anyway that's just what i was no that's 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 fascinating and that's that's absolutely i mean yeah and and this kind of comes back to this whole like whether you call it western or i i'm sort of trying to start to prefer to say european philosophy style everything's got to be about principles right it's you know it's one dude had one principle. Most people have two principles. Every now and again, someone comes up with three principles, but fundamentally everything is about 
principles. And it's always yeah. just this very small number of them. And of course, that means that all manner of things, I mean, if you do the philosophy in, in what I would say is kind of the wrong way, you're constantly trying to cut away all of the quote unquote extraneous connections and just find yep. the two that are yeah. the, the ones you absolutely need that are the strongest. Yeah. And the, um, but that's, it's a really I, that that analogy is fascinating to me, and I and I will say just as a general note, I had no idea. I that's that's this is all spider knowledge that I am told that's totally new to me and really uh, really kind of fascinating. Yeah, and I, I would I would also say if I ever did anything as cool as make one spider's web, that yeah. bad boy is never coming down. Yeah, I'm putting signs permanent. up. I'm telling people it's like that's yeah. all I'll ever do, and I'll look live at there, what I did. You'll it. sell that's tickets life, to right access it. Yeah, come look at it. Like, first. I yeah, made like, this from my butt rope. <laughs> come exactly. look. Yeah. I mean, my God, yeah, this. <laughs> Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of achievement to just say like, all right, well now I'll start with a new one. Like, yeah. no, 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 no. Come on, give me well, a break, man. To come back to that, even that umbrella of of beauty. Like, I'm not a fan of spiders no. myself as creatures, uh, just because they they give me the creepy crawlies. Um, mm, the legs, but, but the the beauty of it's not the legs; it's the movement. It's oh, like it's yeah. it's a an alien. Steven, it's just it's a, not mammalian. It's just it a land me. octopus. It's fine. No, I get it. But even not sure that was helpful. I don't know if that was a helpful thing to say. No offense. That didn't make me feel better about spiders. I don't know if Steven's cool with it. Yeah. Uh, wow. Where was I? No, uh, just back to the umbrella of beauty, even like just, you know, even thinking of a spider's web that way. And just, mm -hmm. yeah, there's something transitory about it, too. You know, it lasts a day or two before they're finding a new home or making they, a new one. They literally consume it. Testing new. Yeah. Um, mm -mm -mm. yeah, that's, that's very interesting to me. Yeah. Corey, the, uh, the line you you're specifically referencing is a CS Lewis quote saying that Jesus must be, um, liar, lunatic or Lord. Mm. Mm. And yeah, I think my, my inclination, especially with that tweet and just kind of my, uh, my reasoning around it is just the, the, that argumentation style of, I mean, it's clear that C.S. Lewis would prefer we all come to the same conclusion that he has, that Lord is the correct answer, as if there's only one correct answer. And I, I find the black and whiteness of that argumentation style just endlessly frustrating, uh, just because it doesn't, it doesn't give credit to, yeah, maybe liar and lunatic mm -hmm. are options that we, <laughs> we should seriously consider. And, you know, that, that has kind of captured uh many a religious movement and has uh inspired qu quite literal violence in in an effort mm. to convince the masses that lord is the right answer and i will i will take a sword to you if you disagree in the case of maybe the crusades as a famous uh blight <laughs> what on the they christian did, church they yeah. did nothing wrong what are you talking about it's right. totally fine probably <laughs> well as, as 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 european history will teach you as Violence that you do somewhere else is totally cool. Yeah. Like, don't worry about that. That's not, you know, like <laughs> it, 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 as, as long as you leave your home territory and then do excruciatingly horrible things. Ah, come on. Yeah, no big deal. Exactly. It's when you do bad stuff in your own, like, like they, you know, they, they, they killed a priest once in England and that we still talk about. It's terrible. Oh, dare. Yeah. Never should have done okay. that. Oh, that other stuff. That's, you did it somewhere else. Sure. Yeah. It's like, you know, what, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in Jerusalem stays in Jerusalem. Don't worry about it. 
You're listening to our interview with Corey. We'll be right back. Hey, if you like this, you can also like it in other places, like the internet. We're on the internet. Yeah, we're a podcast. <laughs> you can you can you can tell us how how much you like us on Apple Podcasts and probably other platforms, and then you can follow us on Instagram and the tweeters at No People Pod. That's great. Yeah, I would love to follow me. Smash that like and subscribe. No. Don't don't smash it. Don't smash. Phones are expensive. Be gentle. Yeah, caress it. This is no normal people. We're gentle. Yeah, we're blended for your pleasure. Oh, wow. We're bringing that joke back, huh? Yep. All right. <laughs> Shall we get back to Corey then? Let us away. Uh, Corey, I have no idea how I'm going to pull this off um, as long as we're still speaking about ideas. In particular particularly beauty um mm. i i want to ask about your maybe fascination is the right word for it from what i've seen on twitter but um would you talk about owls and why you like them so much i love owls <laughs> sorry go ahead well this is uh, we're really i mean this was a fascination that um i certainly will not complain about but that has been imposed on us in the best possible way. Uh, so we have a pair of owls that live in our yard. What? Um, and we're, we're kind of out in the, you know, we're out in, a, in, in the country here. And we, so we, we knew there were these owls that lived here. It was one particular year I was sitting on the porch listening to a podcast and I look up in a tree and suddenly there's uh, I guess that's an owl, but what? It's so much smaller and it's all fuzzy. No. So we have this pair of owls that 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 um, ev- pretty much every year has had a pair of owlets. Um, oh. So and we've gotten to like every year we witness this a little more closely and with a little bit more, I would say, quote unquote, knowledge because we've done no real studying about anything. So we put together these kind of gestalt theories on well, <laughs> owls do this. They make this kind of sound in these kind of circumstances. It's probably total nonsense, but we have this wonderful time sort of developing this folk wisdom that explains what our owls are up to. And of course, we take, um, I, God help us, if, if film was still a thing, we'd have gone through, <laughs> we would have roomfuls of, you know, stacks of pictures of all these pictures that we take of these owls but yeah you know, every year we we get to most every year i should say we we get to watch this happen and of course it's it's beautiful it's fascinating it's fantastic it's i mean it you know i it never gets old in any way, shape, or form. And and now just to, to really keep you up to date on the on the the goings on, we have this is a totally unprecedented scenario. You have these every the normal routine is uh two owls, the the female nests uh, and the male goes around and gathers food, and then the new owls show up and the female stays very closely with them, trains them up and kind of gets them up to speed. And at a certain point, once they've started to fly, they, they, they start occupying a different stand of trees that's further away, kind of like as a, as training wheels. And then eventually the new generation goes away. Well, this year we have an owl that just hasn't left. So he's like hanging out in the basement, you know, asking mom for hot pockets and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, doing the, Classic. the PlayStation with the, you know, I mean, it's, it's the funniest thing. We don't know what's like. Yeah, it's it's totally like it's just it decided before, you know, it's like there's no opportunities out, for, out there for me. This is all a joke. You know, I'm not, I'm not getting into this. I'm not <laughs> going to play. He's laying flat. Garbage. We've got an owl that's laying flat. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so we don't know, like, we don't know, like, is this going to come to, is the owl going to get like, is all of its owl stuff going to be thrown out in the yard one day? And it's going <laughs> to yeah. be like, it's got to go. Or like, what's going to happen? We're really, it's, we're kind of fascinated by the family drama of it all. Yeah. That's excellent. Laundry baskets full of personal belongings. I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I had drawn that correlation between, uh, uh, well, among the Twitter photos where I, I love you essentially have to make a plea to your Twitter followers. Like, I promise there's an owl in here somewhere. We can hear it. We know it's over there, but you probably <laughs> won't see there, it. Yeah. Those, those are fun updates, but is the cover of your podcast one of your, one of your neighbors at this point? Yes, that is, uh, that is Cyrus the Great. Uh, that is the, the, the father figure of the, of the whole situation. And, and the only reason we can say with certainty that Cyrus the Great father, Olympias mother, is because, of course, you know, their behaviors. Otherwise, we would have no idea. Like, just right. looking at an owl, you can't leave. I can't. I mean, I don't <laughs> You know, can't see can, their but, genitals, yeah. probably. Right. Um. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, but but we do know who's who based on what they do and where right. they are at different times and that kind of stuff. And yes, yeah, so that the the cover is uh, Cyrus the Great. Wow, um, what a gorgeous you, photo of him! Is it is it lo- long eared, long eared? They owls? are great horned owls. Okay, I was like, I've seen the cover, and I could see the you know the horns essentially. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I don't know if it because long ears are uh, common in Montana too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that's awesome. They're so it's so pretty. <laughs> Delightful. It, I love it, that. It's one of those things where I like I I I absolutely know I don't appreciate this nearly enough. And you know, if, if you think I'm going on about it now, let's keep this let's do a six hour episode and see <laughs> how long I can keep talking about the else. I I'll do it. I'm there for it. But nonetheless, I know that I don't really get how cool this is. And someday I'll look back and just be like, how did that, how did I have that? This is just the coolest thing ever. How did I have that experience and not realize pet owls? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's really cool. Wow. And yet I don't have to get, you know, I I don't actually have to go running around finding mice for them either, which is, that's, that's, that's a positive. I'm happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. They don't live in the house. They don't have their cage or anything. They just, they're neighbors. I like calling them neighbors. I love that. Neighbors is good. I think neighbors is a good, uh, that, that, that's a good status thing. Yeah. They do their thing. We see them on occasion, look over the fence at them, but there's a respect they have there. Their own lives. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Corey, do you like to engage in any particular hobbies? Sure. Absolutely. So I, I mean, I, there's a, this really you know, sort of gray area between my pseudo professions and my, uh, my hobbies at this point. Certainly the, 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 the podcast is, is, a great deal of time that is is by no means sort of central to my my career planning and my retirement uh, uh, strategy. <laughs> but um, I you know aside from those, of course, you know reading almost constantly uh, history, philosophy, uh, novels, uh, literature, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Certainly enjoy watching all, all kinds of stuff. That that's a great uh, a great way once the the mind is not capable of really sort of actively doing any more work to engage with the world. Uh, absolutely adore watching things. I do, I brew my own beer. My brother taught me how to do this and he kind of got me into it. I haven't done it in a while, um, but it's something I certainly enjoy doing and, and uh, absolutely should get, get back into It's It's one of those great, uh, it's one of my less, uh, headspacey kind of, of, of activities yeah. where you're just doing this thing and it's got a very, uh, 
traditional or i mean they of course have been brewing beer for as long as as long as there've been people around pretty much right. so it's got a wonderful connection to all that and i like to cook uh you know we we like to travel when we we can you know uh to the extent that we can but um mm-hmm. that's been less of late obviously but yeah of course i i also know having followed you on twitter for a while that you uh you are a fan of the philadelphia eagles I am. I see the the hashtag for a fact. So sorry about this year's playoffs, but they made it at least. We'll give them that. They made it, and this was supposed to be a uh, um, and I'm sure for a, a, a large swath of your of your audience, or like what are we what are we even talking about here? And that's fine, I get that. But um, they weren't even supposed to make the playoffs this year, so this was this is a rebuilding year, a transition year. So we we're very happy that they made any showing at all, and uh, so we're very excited is about that, like, that for sure. Is that like getting callbacks? Like surprised callbacks like playoffs is that like you did good now come back and wow no you really don't know how postseason works i don't know anything <laughs> about sports ball <laughs> i don't know and that's and that's fine you know it's not a you know it's <laughs> i i find it's a, it's a great it's kind of like a it is an adult play space and i'm not talking about the actual sport itself like right. the, the, the people playing the sport they're doing their thing right being a fan of it being some idiot uh who is in his mid-40s uh who's who's wearing the garb of these young extremely talented men who are and, and i mean i'd say men in, in with football obviously and uh, in in many of the other sports i enjoy it's men and women um mm-hmm. it's it's everybody but in, in in football thus far it's 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 a purely male sport um, yeah but the the experience for me is kind of it's like this playground of of commitment and passion and enthusiasm like okay what does loyalty mean how do we express it how like how much loyalty should i be showing to this entity that in in a certain sense doesn't even really exist that is mm-hmm. fundamentally just a logo with which some people are sometimes associated and then those people leave and new people come <laughs> in and but you know the the fact that you remain dedicated to this this piece of graphic design right. as if it were a life choice or a yeah. uh, or a church wow. or a or an this institution is my personality of, exactly i mean that it's <laughs> It's a great way to kind of play with those ideas without having the – I mean, if if you have a little perspective in it, you you don't necessarily have the stakes of, say, what does it mean to be loyal in my in my marriage? That right. question has <laughs> very high stakes, right? You know? And by the time you get to the point that you're asking that, you know, you, you're really – you're in a spot where the answer is very important, how you yeah. answer that yeah. question. Danger zone there. <laughs> Right, my loyalty to the the Philadelphia Eagles. If I go on Twitter tomorrow, as I have seen people do, and burn all of their ridiculously expensive, uh, you know, t shirts and, and jerseys and all this yeah. stuff that you buy because you're you're sitting there watching these things, so why not wear the clothes that they're wearing for whatever reason? You know, what is what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything at all. But yeah. you kind of get to play act. You know, it, it's like it's like foam swords. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. You just get to sort of play with the, these notions of of loyalty and and uh, perseverance and, and blah 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 yeah, so, yeah it's, it's I, fun I've absolutely gotten to the point with any kind of sport at this point just because like i don't understand it i don't get the rules but like <laughs> i i i understand and appreciate that people enjoy watching this and like their devotion and loyalty to like a specific team I get it from the perspective of someone who is super invested in Dungeons and Dragons, 
Yeah. Like I like I am hey. so into Dungeons and Dragons at this point in my life that like football to me is just like I've removed it from the sports and put it in Dungeons and Dragons perspective. Yeah. And like this sure. is just a yeah. part of Dungeons and Dragons with rules it. that I don't understand and some people really really like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, absolutely. And that's and- fine. <laughs> Uh, there's a comedian named Doug Stanhope that and, and his line on this was, you know, we all have our stupid. Yeah. Right. Every human life has to have its stupid. Whatever you are stupid is, my stupid is football. Yeah, and and yeah. I will say it's like it's the vicissitudes of when we've we've met and gotten to know each other. Baseball season, you'll you'll see me all about the Mets and baseball season. You'll you'll see me trying to do some basketball stuff in between, although I, I can't ever quite get the traction with basketball that I can with the other sports. Right. So you have tennis. I love tennis, all, all that kind of good stuff. But yeah, it's just, you know. The, the the human mind was not meant to always be doing something intelligent, productive, yes. or, and forward looking. I you know it needs time to be doing stupid stuff. I you know I think and wow, I love that, <laughs> Corey. Do you like to follow any particular morning or evening routines? Well, morning routines. I the, the thing that is least consistent about my mornings is that I am a. a terrible sleeper i very often cannot sleep so the thing that's least consistent is when morning is morning Mm. is sometimes three in the morning morning is sometimes 11 in the morning he gets it morning is sometimes three and then again (laughs) at 11 depending like but with that proviso out of the way I, i think the standard morning looks like I want to, I go down, I go through this little ritual of making my, my Earl Grey blue tea. Uh, that's this sort of slightly vanilla flavor kind of Earl Grey. Mm. Make a pot of that in the same teapot I've used, carried around with me for, uh, it's going on 20 years at this point. Make my tea. That gives me just a little bit of a chance to wake up and get my wits about me. I Once the tea is steeping, I then start work, typically. Uh, I try to do whatever I care most about first because my days are always just a race against parts of my my brain or even you might even say myself just kind of shutting down so uh, um sure, as i'm yeah. racing against that slow deactivation of my potential or sometimes rapid deactivation <laughs> I, I i i i set myself to whatever's whatever's most important first work on it for a while while the while the tea is steeping then i've got the tea and boy that's like i'm in the rhythm by then and i get my little supercharge and i i go so that's that's the first few hours of any given day as if i'm if i'm I'm allowed to just follow my own preferences completely. Um, And then past that, it's, it's really just, just rolling the dice. I mean, most days will end with uh, typically at at least an hour or so, just, you know, plop it in front of the tube and watching whatever, whether it's watching a movie for the hundredth time or, or watching whatever sports I can find or, you know, something like that. But that's more just like, okay give the day a chance to end and yeah. and then we'll call it a day. The yeah. wind down ritual. Yeah. Exactly. Um would you tell us about the household pets, your collection of cats? Yes, absolutely. So we have cats. Yeah, and it's um I mean, you know, you you obviously are, are fairly well informed about physics. You you know how there are those those numbers that are they're so large that I mean, they're not actually infinite, but sort yeah. of on a practical level the human mind can't conceive of them so yeah. so they're kind of like 
uh, ad hoc infinite. That's the number of cats I'm, I'm pretty sure we have. Um, so that's, <laughs> I was that's like, what the, this the, is making me nervous. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, it's, uh, it should. I mean, it's a lot of cats. Um, it's actually, it's more like five, but it, it does seem like an absurdly large amount that we never intended to have so many. But in part, it's we, there we is, understand well. Yeah, we, we 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 moved out here. We had we brought two cats out with us. I at the time did not have a cat that was mine. Daughter had a cat. My wife had a cat, and I was kind of cat sharing. And then you know, <laughs> and I'm so so we we come out and there's this this family of cats that are are feral but with a very very young litter of of new kitty cats and and the the mother that had been living out here who was scrawny and in terrible health and blah 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 blah. so anyway i i i was was given the the uh the option of selecting a new cat to to bring inside so that we would each have one cat another cat saw that happening and decided she was going to come in as well so that was <laughs> now we're up to four i also and then her. eventually the mother figured out like something's going on in there that's really much better than this part out here where mm-hmm. i'm you know having to eat food from the bowl which at least i get the food from but it's cold and all these other things so she decided she was going to come in as well and then the others we've kind of have either dispersed or we've we've given we've found homes for and that kind of thing. Wow. So, right. Yeah. Um, so yes, we have the cats. Then we've got some some goats. Uh, we've got some. We at any given time will have sheep and cows that we uh, we pasture for for a friend. Um, but those aren't really so much pets, although the yeah. sheep will follow us around and kind of wander around the yard. So that's fun. Yeah. That's adorable. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Corey, we are coming to the end of our time here. Uh, we like to check in uh, with our closing questions on kind of what you're just current currently consuming as far as media goes. So I'd like to start with what you're currently reading. Sure. So right now I, I've I've been on a, a John Le Carre kick, uh, which um, so I'm reading. Uh, uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy at the moment, but have been kind of going through his books for some reason. I just got into that zone <laughs> and um, with uh, Joan Didion passed recently. So I, I, I've been reading a lot of her and the, often reading Joyce Carol Oates. So she's kind of in and out. Um, that is all kind of to counterbalance the fact that I'm also reading a biography of, of Himmler, which is is not an enjoyable thing to do. It's, there's nothing sort of redeeming or, or fun about that. But I'm reading that. And, and then, there, of course, it's just all that like in this really strange, bizarre collection of, of different books I'm putting together for this season of the podcast that I'm, I'm I'm working on now. That's everything from Mill and Locke all the way over to uh, that's Hegel and just all, all kinds of different oh. things some more modern folks as well mm. so um, fantastic that that's quite a quite the stack i admire that it's yeah it's uh, i mean it's sometimes hard to tell like the they're just you know you can always just find a book and, and start reading it they're just everywhere so <laughs> yeah just stumble just around you eventually it. find a book and it just grab one and you start reading. don't even stand up after yeah, you trip course. over it and just read it especially yeah. if they're overflowing <laughs> from the shelves as you described before they are almost as infinite yeah. as the cats. There's more books than shelf. Yeah. Much many more books than than shelf. Absolutely. Yeah. More more book <laughs> as an as a sort of uh, cohesive entity. More book than shelf. More book for than sure. shelf. Yeah. If we could use book as a form of measurement. <clears throat> it's just it's like it's like when you say the royal we yeah. or the royal they. It's Capital like more B book. book. There's more book. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just like that. Um, Corey, what are you currently watching? Like shows you're in the middle of maybe movies you've revisited or seen for the first time recently? 
Well, so watching uh, Succession, which is kind of just is is goofy, but it it is fun and it's reasonably well done. So yeah, of I'm course. Enjoying that. Um, uh, as we have discussed, I, I've been on a, a kick where just every few weeks I feel like I need to rewatch Interstellar um, <laughs> because it really, after a long, oh, felt God. like it was just before <laughs> you mentioned it for the first time. I think that uh, at least on, on on Twitter, I was it just I, I stumbled across it. I was just like, oh, I haven't watched that wow. since it came out, but wow. I've got this dvd i should hadn't even taken the plastic off i put it on blew my mind and I'm, I'm back to it so some for some reason that the joker and dune that i just got my dvd oh, of those wow. have been on kind of a a little rotation recently as well what are you currently listening to maybe let's start with podcasts sure absolutely so um but I think the first podcast I ever really engaged with and that I, I will go back to just because I, I, I continue to love the rhythm of it and the and the, the content is Dan Carlin, Hardcore History. I, I think I can pop on some of those okay. just any time oh, and, and really of enjoy course. it. Um, one that – and that's obviously hardly revolutionary uh, to say, <laughs> but then nonetheless, I feel like I had to, 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 to at least mention it. Um, but in addition to um, getting to know the the Highline Network uh, extended uh, <laughs> cinematic or podcast universe, you, yeah. I'm also doing one that I really highly recommend, which is called The Other Others by a guy named Tyson Yunkaporta. Uh, he is out of Australia and he is um, a, a, an indigenous person. Uh, and I, I, I don't want to go deeply into a description of him that I, that I don't myself sort of understand at any great, uh, great length, but indigenous person from Australia. And he kind of talks to indigenous people all around the world about all manner of different things. It's really free flowing. It's very interesting. He, he, he talks to Vikings. He talks to Maori. He talks to wow. Lakota. I mean, it's just, it's really, but it's also, it's, it's, it's about issues that you would call very germane to indigenous or native folks. But then also just issues of that are germane to being human beings that that live lives and, and do all this other stuff. So it's you know science and, and belief and, and everything else. So it's really wide ranging, but just fascinating. A lot of fun to listen to. Mm. Wow. And then I, I, I mean, I, I can rattle off some uh, some Eagles uh, a, a related <laughs> podcasts uh, of if, if you have of like a, an unserved uh, <laughs> segment of your listenership yeah. who's really desperate. Um, Birds with Friends is absolutely fantastic, but I'm guessing maybe that's not so much of uh, what a great uh, title demand. though. Birds, Birds with friends is yeah. that the Eagles yeah. podcast that. As an Eagles thing, and and they're they're uh, one of their guys is really obsessed with any manner of bird related puns. So that's well, okay, um, just I'm, everything needs a bird pun in it uh, because the Eagles are called the birds. I love birds. In the, you know that's what we call them. But I don't know about football. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's they don't really sort of eliminate the football completely. Yeah, I, I will yeah, say there's fair. a lot of football in there, so sure. it might not be. But you know, might not the be bird puns can can take your, your cup of maybe tea, if they know. have a Patreon where it's just the bird jokes just bird chats sure hmm. i'll sign up that, and i'll listen you to might that suggest that to them yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, what if, it, if they ever find that they're running out of money yeah. being applied to professional sports sure and need to start yeah i can't imagine yeah. they are. that that well is gonna run dry soon probably <laughs> yeah with big ornithology puns you know that 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 whole uh, untapped market i guess they you know, could flock yeah. somewhere yeah. else yeah, absolutely um, <laughs> what, absolutely what about music their beaks what about music, like records that are on regular rotation or playlists that you've built that you like? Oh, just, well, it's pretty wide ranging. Uh, it's probably not a lot of very new stuff. I, I'm always way behind whatever's new, but I, I'd say for 
uh, for the evenings, non-work time, it's it's Tom Waits, it's Nick Cave, it's Radiohead, it's uh, the it's, I do like some more of the country folk stuff, but like Emmy Lou Harris, John Prine, uh, uh, Guy Clark, that that Very that good. whole kind of crew of folks. There's uh, I I probably listen to classical music the most because I can actually work to it. So it's Gould playing Brahms, it's Hilary Hahn playing oh. Bach, it's uh, oh. it's Arvo Part, it's it's the those, those kind of folks, the occasional opera, or I should say the occasional Puccini. I, for oh, some yeah. reason, cannot get my mind around any opera but Puccini, which is, there's some problem with that. But, mm. it, you know, what are you going to do? That's that's where I'm at. Man, so. you won me over with Brahms. He's my favorite classical composer. Um, Have you heard the that. Glenn Gould solo piano playing Brahms? I don't think I have. And I love, I, I love Brahms. But there's something – it's – when I, and I'm a re- like anything Glenn Gould solo piano just blows my mind. It's his Bach is fantastic. He does Wagner transcriptions that are fantastic. But his he does two albums of of Brahms, and it's it's the Brahms that connects with me the most. And mm. I will say that I, I generally like most every Brahms I've heard. But this is the the rendering that just absolutely speaks to me every time. So yeah. fantastic. All right. So for my final question, where this is new. For all our guests, mm. um, we like, or we're trying to get a sense for what does the word normal mean to you? Well, I, I mean, then this may sound hackneyed, but, but I, I like, this is, I have the work to back this up that obviously normal is a, is a construct an artificial construct to an extent that I don't think we have even begin begun to, to realize. Yeah. Right. I, I, I mean, we, we say, Oh, it's just normal is like, Oh, that's, that's just this, this oversimplification. Yeah. And yeah. And that's true. One of the questions that I've been asking myself recently is how much of the human mind itself has been built in a certain way based on what we think and what we read and what we do and how we interact, but that could have been just totally different. How much of yeah. it could be as absolutely different as we could possibly imagine hmm. such that, you know, I mean, such, such that normalcy wouldn't even, it would, it would be an almost inapplicable concept, at least in terms of, of how we understand it now. And I, I might even go so far as to say uh, that, that normalcy might be a, bit of a dangerous concept because whenever something isn't normal, we do tend to start locking it in cages, taking things from it, uh, um, hurting it, studying it rather than than truly relating to it. Uh, wh- whatever it is, whenever, whenever something seems abnormal to us, we tend to start acting like I know you censor the show, so I won't. I won't finish that sentence. We tend to not act our best right. when we think something is not normal, right? So, so maybe that means normal itself as an idea is is kind of a, a problem. But wow. that's just me. I love that answer. I'm so glad someone should do a podcast about about um, the, about um, the the non normalcy. Yeah, that's dismantling so the idea of anyone being and normal. like how not everyone is normal. So good. Um, <laughs> Corey, would you tell our listeners where they could connect with you on the internet and find your podcast wherever those are sold for free? 
absolutely. So you can catch me on Twitter, unfortunately, at uh, a Freedom of Ideas. Uh, you should, I, depending on when this comes out, you should be able to catch me on my website, which is also uh, a Freedom of Ideas dot com, nice. or you can catch me at words at a Freedom of Ideas dot com as an email address. Should also be a Corey DiBiase dot com that that you can can uh, look into. So, and I think if you just search on a podcast app, A Freedom of Ideas, that should get you a picture of an owl, at least, if not uh, some other stuff to go along with it. So. Um, would you close us out by reading our favorite quote for the podcast? I would be glad to. Uh, and that would be, the only normal people you know are the ones that you do not know very well. Oh my goodness, what a delight Corey is. What a oh my gorgeous. Oh my gosh. Goodness gracious. <laughs> oh my goodness gorgeous. Yes. I cannot recommend his podcast enough. I'm just gonna continue to sing those particular praises. Corey is one of a small handful of shows that I actually choose to support on Patreon because I believe in the work he's doing. Mm-hmm. It's true. Dixie, do you mind if I tell you the other shows I choose to support? Because God, no, that list is so long. I can do it real fast. I promise. Okay, but you don't stop for for detours, Stephen. You or just list breath. them. Okay, here we go. List them. I am pretty famous at just detouring. you're already doing it. Look at me. You go. haven't even started listing them. Okay, <laughs> a freedom of ideas by sure. Corey DiBiase. Yeah, that guy. Mysterious universe. Yeah. Bad Christian. Sure. Transregret Snoopy presents the Bible. Sure. You have permission by Dan Koch. Mm-hmm. Dungeons and Daddies. Hold on. Oh yeah, Dungeons and Daddies. Thank you. And soon, probably sitcom D and D. And also, Hey Riddle Riddle. Maximum Fun. And we're Max Fun members. Max Fun. So yeah, it's just it's supporting the artists and the people you want to support. Mm-hmm. That sounds so easy. Yeah. But why don't people do it more? For just pennies a day. Wow. You could support yeah. someone you've never met. One cup of coffee a month. <laughs> support your local NPR station. Instead of buying 12 <laughs> packs of cigarettes, you could support me and my bad habits. $5 a month gets you thoughts <laughs> for your thoughts. Thoughts for your thoughts. Classic Parks I'm and Rec. August what did you have Clementine. for us today? Yeah, I got dear? true or false questions, oh. and they're all about animals. Okay. Surprisingly, there are none about owls, though, so that's a little upsetting. Yeah. But we're going to do it anyway. Okay. Okay, Steven, true or false? False. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't started yet. You don't know the question. Oh. Okay, true or false? A flamingo's head has to be upside down when it eats. False. True. A female ferret dies if they do not mate once uh, they go into heat. True. It's true. Unlike most other creatures similar, a dolphin's brain shuts completely off when it sleeps. False. It's false. I got it right. Only nice. half a dolphin's brain. Yeah, our brain does the time. same thing. It cycles. Armadillos can catch leprosy. True. True. Yeah, don't they spread it too? Mm-hmm. A cockroach's brains are found in its butt. Hmm. True. False. Why would I think that's true? I don't know. A cockroach's brain is actually found in its body. Okay. Um, that narrows it down. 
That's a whole category shift. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, guess what? The butt is part of the body. Exactly. Surprise, which is another reason why I have a problem with dental and eye insurance. Anyway, true or false? Frogs have 180 visual range. True. False. Their their eyes are on like the sides Frogs of their eyes. Frogs have oh, a have 360, 360 visual range. Dang it. <laughs> You're doing so I was great, like, babe. Their eyes are on each side <laughs> of the head eyes like on that. Two sides. But that would create because we barely have 160, right? Uh true or false. The heart of a shrimp is found in its butt. There's a lot of questions like this. Yeah. Uh one of them has to be true eventually, so true. Nope. The Come heart on. of a shrimp is located in its head. In its body. <laughs> in its body. <laughs> Not helpful. Uh, true or false, a snail can sleep for 10 years. Uh, True. False. They seem like ancient creatures like They can that. sleep for three years. Okay, that's still a long yeah. time. Elephants are the only animal that can't jump. That seems false. It's true. The only animal? Mm-hmm. Fish can't jump. Yes, they can. They're swimming. Steven, there's multiple videos and photos of fish jumping. That's not the... Okay. Yeah. The question should be mammals jumping. (laughs) Um, This is not a a true or false question. This is uh, just a question. Um, How long does it take a sloth to digest its food? Uh, Like six days? Two weeks. Okay. Yeah. So twice what I said. (laughs) Dang it. Uh, what direction do bats turn when they leave a cave? Right side up. They turn left. That felt like a riddle. Yeah, I know. But the answer is they turn left. <laughs> My answer made it feel like a riddle. <laughs> right side up. Because they were hanging. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I get it. Because um, of flying. I but they always more. go left, huh? I, yeah. Okay. I have, I have one more question. Yeah. Riddle? Go for it. Why don't you know what a giraffe sounds like? Because by the time no. the coffee got to its stomach, it would be cold. <laughs> no, that's not it. Because its neck is so no, long. The reason why you don't know what sound a giraffe its makes Its vocal cords are so long that it's such a low sound. You're close, but it's actually that giraffes do not have vocal cords. Well, that's rude. Yeah. That's the one animal I really want to have vocal cords. They're like a walking trombone. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned I mentioned this when we were on our trip to Helena about how unicorns, a horse with a horn, yeah, seems plausible. Seems like that, yeah, that makes sense. Compared to compared to a giraffe, the existence of giraffe. That's like a deer with an extra long neck. How it's is true. it that they exist but unicorns don't? Giraffes seem like they grew up in a place with far less gravity. <laughs> and their bones just kept getting like the moon. longer. That's it. And longer. Giraffes come from the dark side of the moon. Interesting. Yeah. This is a curious thought. Yeah. Maybe though. Maybe. Okay, last I bet we find giraffe fossils on the moon one day. Last last things. Uh last last question. Okay. Can kangaroos fart? <sighs> this seems like a trick question. Yes? No. Why? That's I don't know. mean. I didn't research it okay well great thanks for sticking around on no normal people for (laughs) now you know all of these things about animals that you didn't want to know for dixie's quiz time quiz time it was a delight having you for this episode and 
I was Thanks there. again to Corey. Did you know owls have a bolus? I do not know what a bolus is, but it has become a central tenet of your latest D&D character. Yeah. Is it like a bazaar? Yeah, It's kind like of. the undigestible stuff in their Essentially, stomach? Essentially, yeah. Okay, well, now I know what it is. Cool. It's a bolus. Well, on that note, enjoy your bolus this week. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Okay, <laughs> bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> Welcome to the Whiskey Bench, where we pair cocktails with conversation. Whether we're diving deep into a meaty subject like the history of fascism, or why monetary policy drives inflation, or just bringing you the highlights of a crazy news week, we aim to look past the simple answers and discuss the complexity of our wild world. So pull up a chair, pour yourself a drink, and join us on the Whiskey Bench. Highline Media Network, artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.